I like, I'll usually just fish on top that dries. Sometimes I'll attach a merger. I'll go green drake on top, and then a green drake, a merger on bottom. But usually when there's a big hatch, I just want to catch them on top just for the thrill of it. I think it's a lot funner than catch them on the merger where I can't see it as well. I like that rush of feeling. And when you see that head come at your fly or pop up, you got a slurper. And you know you got to set, you know, you got to be patient and wait a second. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really pleased you could join us today. And we have on the program, we want to welcome Brick Sigelski. Now, Brick is out of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, Brick, thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. So we're going to chat all things fly fishing and, and what you've been up to in Wyoming. But before we do that, I always like to take it back and just kind of go to your roots and, and find out how you got involved in fly fishing to begin with. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, it's um, kind of been in my family for a long time. My dad would always go out with my with his grandpa and my uncle, uncles up in Montana, like uh, around Bozeman and stuff up on the Gallatin River and um, all around there, the Madison and different places, Yellowstone Park. And then uh, I started fly fishing with my dad when I was younger. Most of the time when we were in Montana, we didn't fish a lot fly fish a lot when you're here in Wyoming. And then I kind of lost it for a while during college, didn't do much of it. And then once I kind of, I got a teaching job in Rollins, Wyoming, and it's surrounded by some of the best fishing in in the U.S. on the North Platte River. So you have the Miracle Mile, Great Reef, and up North Platte's all about an hour away. Mm-hmm. So I got back into it then about four years ago and fell right back in love with it from when I was a little kid. It's about all I think about now. All my spare time goes fly fishing. So. Where would you consider your home waters, Brick? So, you know, more often than not, we could find you. You don't have to name your secret spots, but uh, what river systems mostly? Uh, I'm usually on the Upper North Platte River around Saratoga, Wyoming. Right on. That's where, that's my favorite place to go fish. So I used to live about 30, 40 minutes from there. And then now I'm about two hours away, but... I still get there as much as I can. So if you had to think about how you came to discover fly fishing and what you've learned over the years, who would you say has been the biggest influence on you and your fly fishing? Um, I think my biggest influence is probably my Uncle Bill. He's in his 80s, and that's what he loves to do still. And I like talking to him. I mean, I still talk to him about it, and I can still learn things, new stuff from him every time I go out with him, and it's always fun, and always look up to them and hopefully that and i hope that i'm fishing until i'm that age too up out on the river wading around so he's kind of my biggest influence kind of i look up to when it comes to fishing do you do a lot of fly tying yourself um i do some i don't do a bunch i just kind of tie 
basics that I use, like past rubber legs and sandlon worms. I don't get into it a whole bunch. I want to, but I just haven't really had time. So I, I buy most of them. Yeah, fair enough. I think I think a lot a lot of us do that, and and, and I know myself. If there's a pattern that uh, might take me a little longer to to tie, I'm 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 likely to buy one or two, or maybe a dozen. Maybe we could talk a little bit about, I know you have a preference on, on fly rods and, uh, I've noticed you fish a lot of glass rods. Maybe you can speak a little bit about that. What kind of gear are you using in your neck of the woods? Um, so when I'm on the river, I use my five weight four piece blue halo. That's glass rod. And, um, right now I have a blue halo bay rod company or spay company reel with it now. And I'll switch that in out. It's like a Taylor Enigma when I have sinking line on. So that's what I use most of the time on the river. And then if I'm on lakes, some of our lakes around here have a lot bigger fish. I'll use my Blue Halo 7 lake. And especially with the wind out here, it really helps me on the lake get that thing out there. Especially if I'm throwing a bigger streamer or bigger flyer rigged up with weight. That 7 weight will help me get it through and get it out to where I need. So it just kind of depends on conditions and where I'm fishing and what I'm using. And then I want to go up high into the snowy mountains on the Alpine lakes. I'll take a three weight. That's also blue halo glass rod. So I'll use glass for all my rods. That's just my preference. I like the way they feel a little better. I got more feel with them. They're a little slower, but I got to admit it's, it's been a few years, uh, Brick, since I've, I've fished a glass rod, but I know what you mean. It's a little slower action, but you, you definitely feel in touch, don't you? Oh, yeah. The feel and the bend you get on those is amazing. And uh, I just I fell in love with it with the first blue halo I had. And, and I don't think I've missed and I don't think I've missed any fish or anything because it's a little slower. But I've actually been trying to get the guys from Blue Halo on the podcast, but they're uh, they're busy, they're busy for sure. But uh, we'll make that happen one of these days. So your daytime job is is a teacher and coach in uh, in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So does that leave you a lot of time in the summers to uh, chase some fins? Um, yeah, I have about two and a half months off with no teaching and no coaching. We start football about a month before school. So if I didn't coach football, I'd have about three months, four months, but it definitely gives me a lot of time to take trips and get out there on the water as much as I can. Is there any similarities in your, in your day job to, to enjoying your pastime on the water uh, that come to mind? Like, is there anything that you can draw from either teaching or coaching that uh, maybe helps you on the water? Um, yeah, definitely teaching. I think patience. I mean, I teach elementary school, so I have 25, 10-year-olds, and I have to be super, super patient with them, and I know if I'm having maybe a rough day on the water, can't figure it out, or nothing's going right, if I'm just patient, everything will work out in the end, and once you figure out what the fish are feeding on, and I have a good day. If you're in, in and around Cheyenne, and you want to go somewhere to talk fly fishing, is there a local shop you like to frequent, or is there coffee shops, or... Uh, where do you go to get your fly fishing fix? Um, Cheyenne's kind of a weird spot. We don't have a lot of, we don't really have, we don't have a fly shop in Cheyenne. That's kind of one thing I'm missing here. So I'll call my, um, I'll call Hacks, called Hacks Tackle on Saratoga, usually where I go fishing. And I'll talk with him about just kind of what's going on on the river and kind of what's hatching. I'm not around there anymore. He kind of keeps me updated on what's going on, what to expect. But um, 
Yeah, there are Laramie. There's a fly shop in Laramie, which is usually on my way to wherever I'm going. I'll stop in, and they always offer up good advice, and they have good good flies and everything I need to get. If not, then I just I'll go to Sportsman's Warehouse and get stuff there. But I have a lot of my friends fly fish, so we're always talking about it when we're not out in the water. And they're out. They'll go on a trip on a weekend and tell me how it is. And we kind of just bounce ideas back and forth and how everything's fishing. That's kind of where I get all my information. We're chatting today with Brick Sagalski out of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Brick, I'm going to ask you to paint a picture for me. I, I always like to ask my guests, like, if you could describe your perfect day out on the water uh, in your neck of the woods, what does that look like? You know, um, paint a little picture for us. How does it start in the morning and, and what kind of fish you're chasing? Uh, just kind of dial us in on that. All right. Um, so I'd probably arrive at called treasure island on treasure island in saratoga on the upper north platte river right pretty early about right when the sun is rising and it's usually it's probably well this year then it's all messed up so probably in a couple weeks we'll say this year be probably late june after runoff and we got get there sun's coming up everything's awesome starting to warm up it's a little chilly and the green drakes start to hatch you can start to see them fly around. You know what's on that day. You're going to have a great day. Um, I know last year the Green Drakes hatched for about a week, the best fishing I've ever had. Hmm. They were just thick. And it, was, it was almost tough to fish because there were so many on the water, you lose your fly. But there I'm always looking for brown trout. Brown trout are my favorite to catch on the North Platte River. That's kind of what I'm always hoping for. My perfect day, I'd be throwing dry flies on the river and have a big... Brown trout come up and wallow it. I land him and let him go. Right on. That sounds sounds pretty good. What are the brown trout like on that system? Do they get pretty big? Um, yeah, they can. There's been. I know last year someone caught a 31 incher. Wow. Out of Treasure Island, where I was talking about, and then up on like the Miracle Mile and Gray Reef, they're controlled flows up there from dams and. That are over twenty, most of them that you catch. So hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty awesome area for brown trout and same with rainbows. There's there's big rainbows in there too, and then you get occasional cutthroats. And are you drifting the river? Are you uh, walking and wading? How does that look? Uh, I wade most of the time. I like walking around and finding different holes and runs. I have a boat and I'll drift, but. I like, I'll go fishing by myself a lot, so mm-hmm. I like waiting and just kind of being out there and by myself and finding the hole and sitting there for a while, pulling a couple fish out and moving on and kind of exploring around the area. Oh, I think it helps me find fish and kind of become a better fisherman too, because I find fish in any parts I'd never thought would hold fish and I'm drifting by and kind of just overlook them. I think I miss a lot of spots when I'm drifting. I think we're all guilty of that, you know, like sometimes you look, you look to the obvious spots first, but, um, a lot of times those obvious spots are the ones that do get targeted by other fly fishers. And then if you, if you, sometimes if you look where you kind of least suspect it, you might be pleasantly surprised. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've sat on a spot for a couple hours before fishing and watched drifters go by. And I mean, there's plenty of room for them to come over where I am, but they don't cause it's just Probably from where they're standing doesn't look like a great spot, but I've just been hammering them there for a while. I think it's just a different perspective you see the river from when you're down in it instead of just 
kind of out for a cruise. Mm-hmm. It's real art reading reading water on a river. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you approach it. Like, so what are you looking for when you uh, get to your favorite spots? Like, are we talking about like undercut banks? Are we talking, uh, you know, some kind of boulder runs? What freestone runs? What are we looking at? Um, where we're at, it's mostly, or where I fish, mostly is freestone. So you'll get your, you'll, get, you'll be able to target fish like behind rocks and logs and, little runs after that but i really like fishing seams any kind of seam i can find going to a back eddy or right up there where it's kind of choppy water that's where i seem to have my most success and then last year we didn't have we barely had any water late in the summer so it was pretty tough you just fishery they're sitting under banks or or they were pooled up really deep and they're just in odd spots so it was just kind of kind of changed how i've been fishing the previous two two three years the same area mm-hmm. on the water i always find that interesting you you often you know you fish the same waters over and over you think you know it but it it changes all the time doesn't it oh yeah i mean this time march last year i mean the the north platte was on fire where i fish and this year it hasn't been fishable it's just been a muddy mess. Is it just blown out? It's blown out, and it's been okay. so cold. Hatches are delayed, and I think the runoff's going to be big, so the river's going to change again. So all those runs and spots will probably have to, are probably going to change also, so I'll have to go back and find where they're holding now. There's worse problems than having to go back and figure it out, right? More of a challenge. So at the end of June here, when you got this... Uh, green drake hatch happening what's your go-to what's your go-to pattern are you fishing a lot of dries or or mergers or um, do you mix it up how does that look um i like i'll usually just fish on top of dries sometimes i'll attach a merger i'll go green drake on top and a green drake a merger on bottom but usually when there's a big hatch i just want to catch them on top just for the thrill of it i think it's a lot funner than catch them on the merger where i can't see it as well i like that rush of feeling and when you see that head come out your fly or pop up, you got a slurper and you know you got to set, you know, you got to be patient and wait a second. It usually takes me a good while to be patient enough to let them swallow that fly for me to hook them. And I'll get so anxious and excited mm-hmm. those first couple of times they start rising. But yeah, anytime there's a big hatch, I'm always just trying to take them off the top. It's just something I enjoy. Yeah, there's something about that visual, you know. Oh yeah, it's just it's just a different kind of rush. I mean, every time you catch a fish, it's an awesome adrenaline boost, and I think that's why we all fish. Or I mean, most parts why we fish is just for that little adrenaline boost, and when you have one on the end. But when you get one to take one off the top, and you see them come out of the water, it's just uh, it's a different feeling. Yeah, absolutely. When you're fishing uh, like the plat and and waters in in your area. Have you had anything weird or wonderful happen to you on the water? Any any crazy fish stories that come to mind? Um, I always like to ask. I always like to ask that question because if you think back to your time on the water, there's usually something weird that's almost hard to believe oh, yeah. or, or just. Um, yeah, um, not really recently. I have hooked myself many times. I hooked myself <laughs> twice in a row two years ago. Now I had a weird wind and kind of wasn't paying attention. First cast, I hooked myself right in the cheek and got it out after about ah. 30 minutes. It was really cold. It was like snowing. Got it out. And then next cast, after I retied, hooked myself right in the neck. So 
Well, it wasn't my, wasn't, wasn't my best day of casting. So. You, you got to blame the wind. It's got to be the wind. It couldn't be. It had to be something. It was funky wind. Man. We've all experienced that when all of a sudden you get a weird wind gust and uh, next thing you know, you're you're getting it in the back of the head or your hat's coming off. Oh, yeah. And it usually doesn't happen twice in a row, though. <laughs> no. No, that's... Uh, that might be. Should have bought a lottery ticket. That might be bad casting. No, nah, <laughs> come on. Not with that blue... Not with that blue yeah. halo. Operator error. If is there something that you could think of that you'd like to see us do differently in the sport of fly fishing? I always like to ask this question too. Is is there something that comes to mind that kind of irks you, or or you'd like to see us do a little a little differently? Um, I don't know. I know, like, well, myself, I understand like where places get packed with fishermen, but where I go, like, I'll usually won't go to the Miracle Mile in Wyoming because it's just. It's people every 10 feet and that I understand there's good fishing there, but I think some places might need a limit on how many people are in a specific area. It's hard to enjoy it with you guys are kind of crowded and shoulder bumping and people kind of running in to get spots. And that's Mm -hmm. never really appealed to me. I know they have the same problem down like Colorado on uh, the dream stream, just way too many people overcrowding. And I think that's part of the reason I think why I like, where I go so much because there's most days I'm probably one of the only waiters out on the water in a pretty big public area and everybody else is drifting around and can have a whole island to myself. Uh, I've never really, never really enjoyed the, or sort of appealed to me going fishing next to a hundred other people all lining a bank. And I think that's maybe one, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a Wyoming deal more as some other places, but I know there's places in Wyoming like that. Well, I think of lakes where, where I fish and, and, and even rivers, um, you know, years ago there really wasn't, you know, it was busy, but not, not like now. And I think, I think you have to get a little more creative in, in where you fish. And sometimes, sometimes we look past a lot of the obvious places that they're, sometimes they're too easily accessible. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they kind of get overlooked. Yeah. I could see that for sure. Yeah. I, I find that there's a few there's a few places I like to go where it's like, well, that's right beside the road. Why would you fish there? You know what I mean? But sometimes, um, if it's good holding water and there's some, you know, some big hatches going on, it's, uh, it's worth a look. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's fish everywhere. I think in most of those good watershed fish hold pretty much. I know where I'm at. I mean, there's places where nobody goes and I've caught fish there and had great days there. Mm-hmm. And all part of that's there's rattlesnakes around, but if you're, you're all, if you're kind of aware, your surroundings are okay, but. Has your family been in the state of Wyoming for, for a lot of years, Brick? Yeah, my dad, like his uncle, they were all from Montana, so we have some Montana roots, but I've been in Wyoming and um, for pretty much my whole life. I lived in South Dakota a little bit for college, mm-hmm. did some fishing up there in the Black Hills for, they had some nice little streams and stuff, but well, mostly Montana, Wyoming is kind of where we're from, where we fish and hang out right so have you got any big trips you can tell us about planned for this coming season or any uh any dream waters that maybe you'd like to hit that you haven't uh threw a line on um, yet i am going up to the i'm going up to Kalispell. i'm going to go up to glacier national park and try to fish I can't remember what the lake's called there's a couple of lakes up there that have really big uh lake trout i'm gonna try to hit up this summer then i'm gonna go to bamp just kind of uh national park it's kind of, I don't really have a plan yet for where I'm going to go fishing there. I haven't really planned it out, but mm-hmm. go up there and just kind of, never been up there, so I'm going to go check that out. Just kind of fish where I can. 
and I'm going to go fish. I haven't fished the park, Yellowstone Park, since I was little. So I'm going to go with my uncle this year, and um, we're going to fish the fire hole in the Madison River. So I'm pretty excited about that because I haven't mm-hmm. been back to the park in a long time, and I haven't fished it in a long time, too. So I'm pretty excited to get back there. I, I barely remember it, how long ago it was since I've been there. So I'm excited about getting up there and excited about that. Um, I think probably my dream places or dream trip right now kind of changes every time i see something online it looks cool but i think uh like the tree river up in canada mm-hmm. I, I can't remember where it is yeah that's that's up north north yeah i had a gentleman by the name of chance presti on a few weeks ago he, those fish i've never seen anything that pretty in my life yeah that's what i've seen pictures from that and i think that'd be awesome to go catch some of those char I can't imagine a better looking fish than those. So I think that's top of my list right now. Right on. What about Pyramid Lake? Have you ever been down there? I haven't. I've been, it's not too far from me. I could drive there. I've been trying to get some buddies to go with me, making that trek all alone. Yeah. So I was, I was hoping to go there in the fall. I think that's a really good time to go. Yeah. And that'd be awesome too. Those Lahotians are, I mean, they're monstrous. Yeah, they look uh, look pretty wild. That's that's uh, definitely on my list. Oh, saying see, like that's a place where I would I wouldn't mind standing next to people because it's kind of a once in a it's just kind of how they fish there and it's kind of once a lifetime thing for me at least. Yeah, once or twice a trip. Yeah, I think that's the thing with some of these waters that you're talking about. You, you you're going to expect some crowds. You, if you're ready for it, it's not such a big deal. But if it's your your day to day fishing, maybe you're looking for some 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 quieter time. Yeah definitely cool all right man well i want to thank you for taking the the time to chat with us i mean i i got to tell you i was looking at your your instagram and and some of those fish pics you got on there are beautiful if anybody wants to check out some of the uh fish you've been catching in in the wyoming area maybe throw out your uh your instagram handle all right it's um underscore brick underscore 307 underscore fly underscore if you guys want to give me a follow, it's pretty much all Wyoming fish. So if you got any questions, you can DM me. I'm pretty good at answering everybody. Don't really hide anything. So yeah, that's good stuff. Ask away. Yeah, some beautiful, beautiful pics on there. And I want to thank you for taking the time and uh, have an awesome uh, 2019 season out there on the water brick. Yeah, I will. Thanks for having me on. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.